Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Wire to Wire is a show about the waiver wire in fantasy football leagues, and that's what we're going to be talking about here. But Game Time doesn't just do football. It doesn't just do sports, concert tickets, theater tickets. It's winter. Maybe you want to get yourself inside, get to a concert, get to a show. You can find tickets for that on Game Time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Into wire to wire here at the Athletic, our fantasy football waiver wire show. As we look ahead to week 11 of the NFL and fantasy football seasons, one week 10 games still left to get to Seattle and San Francisco getting together for what should be an excellent game, a huge game in the NFC West on Monday Night Football. Every other week 10 game in the books, we are ready to look ahead to week 11 and start getting those waiver claims in order with three weeks left in the typical fantasy football regular season. I am Michael Beller, joined by Brandon Funston, as I am for every episode of Wire to Wire. Funston, how you doing, my man? Oh, I'm nervous about tonight's game. Uh, as you mentioned, one more game on the slate for Week 10, and I'm uh, very much vested, have a vested interest in that as a Seattle Seahawks fan. Um, but it should be a good one. Um, I would say, you know, kind of a... Kind of a quiet uh, fantasy week overall. A couple explosions, but it wasn't a huge scoring weekend. Uh, maybe we can end this thing with a bang, though. Yeah, we might uh, might do it. You, uh, your, your boys get a little bit of a break with uh, George Kittle listed as doubtful. He's still doubtful, right? He hasn't been ruled out, but doubtful right. is doubtful is as good as out uh, with the way the uh, the NFL goes these days. So a little bit of a break, even without Kittle, though, should be a fun game, I believe, on Monday Night Football. And hey, if Seattle wins, maybe slightly shifts the balance of power out there in the NFC uh, West. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can follow me on Twitter at M. Beller. We still have our 40% off deal going. If you're listening to this in the free universe, first of all, thank you for listening. But if you want to get that subscription to The Athletic, check out theathletic.com slash wire to wire, and you'll get 40% off an annual subscription where you get every single thing, podcast, print, whatever sport you're into, you get it all at The Athletic. One thing you'll get is Jake Seeley's waiver column that comes out Mondays at midnight Eastern. Always recommend that you pair that with this podcast so you get the waiver wire covered from every angle. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else for free, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. It uh, it, it really does uh, help us out quite a bit and uh, helps those episodes get to you faster too. So we'd really appreciate it. And again, thank you for listening. Also, if you're into fantasy basketball, check out Dunks and Dimes with Brandon and Eric Wong. Uh, NBA season now uh, fully in swing as we are a couple of weeks into the year. How is uh, Dunks and Dimes going, Brandon? It's going well, and we we uh, co-own a team, so we are uh, you know leaning on the advice of our athletic fantasy basketball expert Eric Wong a lot. But uh, yeah, he's been bringing it every week. I've been setting him up and. Uh, Last week we talked about, you know, there were some pretty big John Collins in Atlanta had a suspension. Um, 
Uh, of course, Steph Curry broke his hand. So we've been talking about a lot of the uh, shakeup in the fantasy basketball landscape. It's been very good, and we'll do that again this Friday. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great show, that John Collins suspension killing me. I've got a lot of John Collins uh, across my fantasy basketball portfolio, so uh, not happy to see that, but I have been happy uh, with what uh, with what I've heard uh, on Dunks and Dimes. So check that out, Brandon and Eric coming to you every Friday talking fantasy basketball. We are now ready to talk fantasy football and the waiver wire for Week 11. Four more teams go on by this week. Green Bay, Seattle after they play this Monday night game against San Francisco, the New York Giants, and the Tennessee Titans who got themselves a huge Huge, shocking come-from-behind win against the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 10. Now they get to uh, sit back and enjoy, rest on their laurels for a bit before they come back to action in Week 12. We start, as we always do, with our top picks on the waiver wire. Funston, for me, the uh, number one play, very easy this week. It has to be Atlanta running back Brian Hill. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he picked up 20 carries, uh, 61 yards, it, Devonta Freeman with the ankle injury. You know, I went back and looked. He's a, I guess he's a former college teammate of Josh Allen uh, coming out of Wyoming, but uh, sort of a, you know, sort of a physical straight line runner a little bit, not tons of the imagination, but he's a, he's a power back and, you know, Edo Smith is out. Devonta Freeman is going to be out. You get the Carolina Panthers this week. They have been terrible against the run. I mean, giving up over five yards of carry to running backs. They've given up 17 running back touchdowns, which is almost two a game. They've given up two uh, running back TD hat tricks. And then we remember back to week one, Malcolm Brown scored two against them. So this has been a very generous uh, defense. And we don't, I don't, I don't know if it's been announced how long Freeman's likely to be out. But we know he's most likely to be out at least this week against Carolina. So uh, a great opportunity to go out and get somebody you can use immediately. Yeah, definitely. After uh, after Carolina, uh, Atlanta plays Tampa Bay, another pretty friendly matchup. Even though they are a good run defense, it's still just a team that seems to be playing in high-scoring games week in and week out. Brian Hill did have a receiving touchdown uh, in Atlanta's big win over New Orleans, and then they get the Saints again uh, the week after that, week 13, the last week of your typical fantasy football uh, regular season. Funston, we're sitting here going into week 11. You're not going to get many opportunities for uh, guys who uh, should have workloads that we expect for Brian Hill, at least as long as Devontae Freeman is out. Is this an empty the fab situation for you? Um, Man, that's a good question. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that you're saving it for. I mean, you know, there's probably an unknown injury that, that's going to occur that you will wish that you didn't empty it. But I, I think a burden hand is better than, you know, as they say, it's like, you know, Brian Hill can come in and most likely give you a solid impact right now. If, if I'm not comfortably cruising towards the playoffs uh, and willing to just kind of like wait and see if something better comes along because I have that luxury. Uh, I'm probably pretty close to emptying the bank on this one. Yeah, this uh, this episode of Wire to Wire is the one episode all season that I hope my, my league mates uh, don't listen to uh, because <laughs> this for me is an empty the empty the fab situation. Like you said, I mean, could something uh, come along next week or two weeks from now better than what Brian Hill represents right now? Of course it could, but we know what Brian Hill is representing to us right now. So for me, this is what you still hold back some fab for a guy like this getting this role. I do think that uh, Brian Hill is someone who I'm going to be willing to go all in on this week. He had 20 carries 
in the Falcons win over the Saints. So uh, that tells you exactly how they plan to use them or how they're likely to use them uh, with Devontae Freeman likely to be out for at least a couple of games here. The next guy I want to talk about, uh, all of our top picks this week are actually going to be running backs. The second one, someone we've talked about uh, in this space a couple of times over the last few weeks, it's Darius Geis eligible to return uh, from IR in week 11 and already, even though we're just here on Monday, expected to return in week 11, Washington playing the New York Jets this week. Got to believe Adrian Peterson is still going to have some sort of role, but I think that Darius Geis eventually phases Peterson out of the game plan. Maybe not someone you want to start right away week 11, even week 12, but Funston, I got to believe he could be someone we're talking about as a regular starter in the fantasy playoffs a few weeks from now. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's that's it. You go out and you get him this week, and I wouldn't start him against the Jets. The Jets have been pretty decent against the run, and I think they're giving up uh, – under four yards per carry but then if he gets a little bit more run the following week it's against the lions they're the second most generous in fantasy and then the panthers after that who i just talked about how generous they've been overall so the, the schedule you know two weeks from now when you get the lions and panthers back to back you hope if you pick up darius guys he gets a little run this week against the jets and then they turn them loose even more the following week and you get some kind of news that they're going to do that as well because uh, i think you can use them almost as early as that if they're going to give him you know, something close to double digit touches uh, from that point forward. But I, I do think Adrian Peterson probably has played himself into a continual sort of platoon role the rest of the way. But there are some soft matches where maybe both of them will have some utility. Yeah, got to believe. And we talked about this last week. Um, you know, Darius Geis was a big pick for Washington in the 2018 draft, an early second round pick, and they've had him on the field for one game. Got hurt uh, for the season, tore his ACL in training camp before 2018, then uh, tore his meniscus in week one this year. So even though this is obviously a, a total lost season for Washington, they got to know going into year three, uh, what they have to have some sort of idea what they have in Darius Geis. And that is another big reason why we believe he is going to eventually take take over as the primary back for Washington once they are comfortable with where his health is. Darius Geis, our number two pick off the waiver wire for week 11. Our third and final is J.D. McKissick. Now, we did have Darius Slayton here originally, but then uh, realized that the New York Giants are on bye this week. And for a guy like Darius Slayton, that's enough to knock him out of this priority slot and push J.D. McKissick up to number three. Ty Johnson suffered a concussion in the Lions' loss to the Bears. That opened up the door for McKissick to be the primary runner as well as receiver. Uh, the numbers weren't pretty, just, what, 55 yards from scrimmage for McKissick, but he got 10 carries and seven targets. Uh, and if that's the sort of workload we can expect for him, uh, if Johnson is going to be missing some time here, then McKissick has to at least be on benches uh, in all fantasy leagues. The next three games are against Dallas, Washington, and then against Chicago on Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know, it's, and I don't think he's probably a good bet for ever getting much more than 10 carries. He's just not the kind of back that's going to be able to – he's not someone that you can lean on heavily in, in the run game. He's not big. He doesn't break tackles great. Uh, but what he is is he's quick and he's versatile. And, you know, we've seen like Theo Riddick make uh, an impact on the Lions in the past, uh, you know, in PPR leagues. And I think that's where he's going to – make his hay the most and that you know it's it's interesting you look at his next three games you talk about the cowboys and the bears the redskins they are all among the top uh seven defenses in the league in, in catches allowed to the running back position so uh certainly you know with mckissick the six catches that could be a regular thing and and the defenses that he's upcoming against uh, have shown that they are you know at least generous in allowing those catches so could be some flex appeal uh, for the next couple of weeks for sure 
yeah, we got what Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, guys who start literally every single week, no matter what, for fantasy owners all going on by in week 11. So if you find yourself without one of those guys and not with someone that you're ready to just turn to on your bench and throw into your lineup, McKissick definitely has enough juice to uh, pick up and throw in if you uh, find yourself in that spot in week 11. And if Johnson is going to miss some time, uh, could have a little bit more long-term value. And even just with the way this Detroit offense is forced to run without carry on Johnson, McKissick is the guy who you want because of his past game role. So he factors in. He is one of our top three guys. Brian Hill, easily number one. And as I said, I'm empty in the fab to get Brian Hill on my teams. Darius Geis and J.D. McKissick are top three plays on the waiver wire for week 11. Now let's go position by position. We start with running back so we can roll right from Hill, Geis, and McKissick into Got to talk about him, Funston. <laughs> Kalen Balaj. Look, he's bad. I think we. I, I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that he is not a very good running back. But 20 carries and four targets in week 10. And there really isn't much competition. Miles Gaskin got one target, zero carries for Miami uh, in their uh, win over the Indianapolis Colts in week 10. I mean, he got he turned those 20 carries and four targets into just 45 yards from scrimmage, which feels impossible. But, I mean, if he's going to be getting that sort of workload, you got to throw a, a couple of bucks at him in fab, right? It shows you what we think of Kalen uh, Balazs that, uh, <laughs> you know, he had yeah. 20 carries. Brian Hill had 20 carries. And we're telling you, empty the empty the piggy bank <laughs> on Brian Hill and throw a couple bucks at Kalen Balazs. So, <laughs> right. uh, I honestly think, I mean, I get that's totally that's totally reasonable, uh, you know, thought process for that. I'd be surprised if they didn't give Miles Gaskin some run like, right. you know, Balazs is, is a he's the guy that Brian Flores inherited, whereas Gaskin's someone he drafted. And so I would think you would see some kind of a mix of these guys, maybe even Patrick Laird. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we follow opportunity. We say it all the time. You got to follow workload no matter who it is. And, you know, and and so right now it's Balazs and um don't love the Buffalo Bill matchup next week, but and I don't like this guy at all. But if you're in a pinch, and like you said, all these running backs are out this week on by, uh, you might have to at least turn to him for a week. And so uh, there, you know, you you know, you're going to get a decent amount of workload, uh, and maybe he can turn it into something usable. That's what it comes down to. I mean, you still, even with all that work, you still have to be in a pinch uh, to want to start Balage, uh, as you said, uh, Bills this week. So not a great matchup. Then they play Cleveland. Then they play Philly. Uh, but again, this is a guy who we're not really too concerned about matchup being good or bad. It's really just the matter of he should be getting plenty of work. Uh, it's, a, it's not going to be the highest value touches in Miami's offense. And he really hasn't shown much receiving chops uh, in his uh, couple of years in the NFL. But still, with that much work, he is still worth uh, a couple of bucks on the waiver wire. But again, Brian Hill, Darius Geis, J.D. McKissick, make them priorities before you turn to Kalen Balaj. How about Bilal Powell, Funston? Le uh, Le'Veon Bell left uh, team's Week 10 game uh, with a rib injury. Uh, already saying that uh, shouldn't be something that costs him any time. But uh, if it does end up costing him time, Bilal Powell would be the guy who would step in and inherit most of what Bell leaves behind. Got seven carries for just 15 yards in the team's Week 10 win over the Giants. Uh, we know that uh, he he's someone who is going to uh, have a pass game role. Most likely, it's always been what his best uh, trait has been. Didn't have any targets in the game against the Giants, but we'll just chalk that up to uh, you know adjusting on the fly or whatever. Uh, a good matchup in Week uh, Week 11. The Jets go down to DC to take on the Redskins. Uh, where do you put Powell in this? Would you rather, if you knew that Powell were starting Week 11, would you rather have him than Balazs? 
I would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because he has, you know, he has proven to be a good, um, you know, helper in the PPR setups and I play it almost, you know, almost across the board. I don't think I have a standard league. Um, so for me personally, that, you know, that would give him the trump card over uh, Balazs. But I think it, you know, what it really does, is it kind of sets up this, you, the next segment of our script here uh, well for you, which is if you are a Le'Veon Bell owner, you you might want to just consider, you know, in, ensuring your roster by adding Powell so that uh, you got somebody uh, to lean on no matter what happens with the Bell injury report at the end of the week. See, I, I can totally see why you're so good on dunks and dimes, Funston. You do just dish out those dimes. <laughs> you just dish them right out. You set them up. It's like a total pick and roll right here. I feel like Carl Malone rolling to the hoop, just getting an easy little bounce pass from John Stockton. I can dunk this one right home. We are going to roll right into the handcuff part of the show here. Bilal Powell definitely factors in with Le'Veon going down with that injury. Remember, he came into the week uh, dealing with knee and ankle issues as well. So Bilal Powell, uh, not bad insurance for Le'Veon Bell owners. We've been talking about it for a few weeks now. Absolutely handcuffed season in the fantasy football world. So you are going to want to grab these guys if you still can, uh, especially if you own the starter, Alexander Madison in Minnesota. He almost got himself into the end zone on an impressive run in that uh, Minnesota win over Dallas on Sunday night. Tony Pollard not going to have a standalone role, but if Zeke were to go down the obvious uh, handcuff there, same goes for Reggie Bonifon in Carolina and Reichwell Armstead in Jacksonville. Gus Edwards could have a tiny bit of standalone value, but would be the big number one guy in Baltimore if Mark Ingram were to get injured. And I can tell you, uh, I've got a lot of Mark Ingram and I've been scooping up Gus Edwards in all of those leagues, been able to back up Ingram in every single league where I have him with Edwards. And I'm happy about that. Saquon Barkley left uh, that game against the Jets with a bit of a shoulder injury, not expected to be serious, but we know that Wayne Gallman would be the guy there if Saquon were to go down. So make sure you go ahead and grab Gallman if you have Saquon, or even if you don't, uh, maybe a good speculative play. Rashad Penny in Seattle. Watch what they do tonight against San Francisco. Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, uh, neither of them had much of a role in Los Angeles's loss to Pittsburgh on Sunday, but uh, they're the obvious backups to Todd Gurley. And finally, uh, with LaShawn McCoy being a healthy scratch for Kansas City, it's Damian Williams back in control of that backfield and Daryl Williams as the backup there, but not a ton of obvious handcuff value in Daryl Williams, at least compared with the other guys who we listed there. Let's move on to the wide receiver position funds and already mentioned him, Darius Slayton. Now I would have had him as our number three guy ahead of McKissick if the Giants were playing this week, but he's just not the sort of receiver that I feel great about grabbing if I can't use him right away. That's why he falls out of the top three and into the wide receiver position. He did have a big game in week 10, though, and it looks like Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram are both going to be out for at least the foreseeable future. Yeah, and Shepard, we're still waiting. They may end up shutting him down completely. Um, so Slayton should see plenty of run going forward. But as you mentioned, it's a bye week, and then you get the Bears and the Packers. The Bears have been... Uh, pretty shut down to wide receivers and fantasy and the Packers have, you know, been a little bit softer of late, but they, uh, you know, started out very strong in that capacity. So it's not a great next three weeks. You're not going to probably get rich off of Darius Slayton. Definitely this next week when he's not even playing, but, um, but if you, you know, that's one of those things that uh, I think he belongs on rosters. And then if you can, I'm sure there's some soft spots. I'm not looking ahead of the schedule into the playoffs, but if you make the playoffs, he might be a guy that, uh, you know, if he's continuing to get pushing double digit targets, uh, there's going to be times maybe in the playoffs when you will be able to rationalize using him for sure. 
Yeah, that's that, that's really what pushes him down here. It's just that there's really going to be no immediate usage for Darius Slayton, and we got a lot of people who, uh, you know, maybe you're uh, maybe you're going into uh, week eleven at eight and ten, and you can kick your feet up and be already thinking about week fourteen, week fifteen, week sixteen, and that's great. And then maybe Darius Slayton makes a little bit more sense for you. But if you are someone who needs a few wins to get into the playoffs, Darius Slayton might not be uh, the best fit with the bye and then matchups with the Bears and the Packers in weeks twelve and thirteen. Had that monster game though against the Jets. 10 catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns and seems to be going to be holding on to a big role uh, with Shepard and Ingram, both dealing with their injuries. Darius Slayton are, I think our, can we call him our favorite receiver available this week? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. For me, is. Yeah, I, I agree. Even with the uh, by Bears Packers the next three weeks, I think he is our favorite. Uh, how about Josh Reynolds? Uh, another guy who uh, uh, stepped up into a, a bigger role because of an injury, because of a concussion, in fact, to uh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks' uh, uh, rest of season outlook just as cloudy as Sterling Shepard. So that means that Josh Reynolds could be the uh, consistent number three receiver in this Rams offense. Got five targets in their loss to the Steelers. Caught three of them for 49 yards. Also got an end zone target uh, at the very end of that game that just barely got knocked away. This could have easily been a uh, four-catch, what about maybe 75-yard touchdown line for Josh Reynolds. Next three games are against the Bears, the Ravens, and the Cardinals. Uh, For me, uh, similar to Slayton, a guy who I think should be owned, but I'm not sure how comfortable I am starting him from week to week unless I'm dealing with Bizer injuries. Yeah, I'm with you. And we got a lot of these three for 49 kind of performances from him last year when uh, Cooper Cup went down. And, And by the way, Hat tip to the Pittsburgh Steelers secondary for holding Cooper Cup without a catch. I didn't even think that was possible when a he- when a healthy Cup is out there. I didn't think anybody could hold him uh, without a catch. But so that was impressive. But uh, you know Robert Woods, Gerald Everett, those were the guys that stepped up with the big time targets uh, with with Cup down. And that's just the thing with Josh Reynolds. It's going to be very inconsistent. We saw it last year. He had a couple games last year where he had two touchdowns, and and those were great. You loved them for fantasy. Uh, but there was a bunch of games where he had like five points or less in, in terms of like half PPR scoring. And you're going to get a little, uh, you know, a fairly decent roller coaster ride. And the problem with that is like the highs aren't going to be super, super high typically. Um, and the lows could be pretty low. So I agree with you. He's kind of like Slayton in that you have to sort of roster him because he's going to have, you know, the at least the upside for volume every week going forward. Yeah, here's uh, he, he, I actually started Josh Reynolds in a league this week, and I'll tell you what my circumstances were to give you an idea of where I think he slots. So this is uh, a league where we start three receivers and two flex spots, uh, and I had Julian Edelman, Carlos Hyde, and Miles Sanders all on by this week. Uh, if any of them are playing, Josh Reynolds is likely out of my lineup. Certainly Edelman and Hyde, if one of those guys is playing, then Reynolds is out of my lineup, and Sanders, you know, maybe that would have been a decision. But uh, that for me is where Josh Reynolds slots uh, in your typical fantasy league. So again, not someone who uh, is going to be major high priority, but because of the ceiling that he does bring to the table, as I said, if that pass doesn't get knocked away at the last second, we're talking about a 75 yard touchdown performance from Josh Reynolds against the Steelers. So there's enough of a ceiling. There's enough upside here that I want to own him in deeper formats. But again, uh, it's going to take something like what happened to me in that league I just uh, mentioned or other buys, other injuries to get Josh Reynolds into your typical fantasy football starting lineup. One more receiver who I think we need to talk about in some sort of depth is Danny Amendola. Eight more targets, Funston, in Week 10 in the loss to the Bears. Now he has 32 targets 
over the team's last four games. What happened four games ago? Carryon Johnson got injured and went on IR in that same time frame. Matthew Stafford is averaging 37 and a half attempts. This is a team that had to change uh, its offensive identity on the fly, and it is leading to a ton of value or at least a ton of volume in the passing game. Because of that, uh, Danny Amendola, are we thinking, I mean, at least PPR league, someone who guys might want to be chasing, uh, who fantasy owners might want to be chasing this week? Yeah, eight targets a week is is pretty high. I think there's only like three or four guys in the league that are getting double digit targets. So you know it's you know it's a healthy it's a healthy volume. He's not a big touchdown guy, and the yardage really isn't. You know he's getting a lot of short and intermediate range passes. So the yardage isn't huge, but that stuff can pile up in PPR for sure. Um, do we know what's what's going on with Stafford? He had the fractured back, and it was kind of a surprise late scratch. Uh, Man, fractured back. It sounds like something where we might not see him again. I mean, uh, if he can't play this week, how long does it take a fractured back to heal? Can you uh, can you play doctor here for a second and let me know that? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's interesting, and and I totally forgot to mention Jeff Driscoll. Uh, part of the reason why I take a little bit of of solace from this is the fact that he did get the eight targets in a game where they only scored thirteen points against. Uh, you know, a Chicago defense that maybe hasn't been as good as it was last year, but it's still been very tough uh, on the pass this season. You got eight targets in that game. So uh, even if we're without Stafford and what they're now three, five and one, right? The the, the Lions are so yep. starting to fall out of the NFC playoff race. Uh, if so, if they don't try to rush Stafford back, at least he got eight targets with Jeff Driscoll. Um, so I do think that there is still going to be some value in Danny Amendola, uh, even if we don't see Matthew Stafford at all this season, just because of the work that he is getting and because of the way this uh, Detroit offense is going to have to run the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I feel bad for the Lions, man. They could have won two or three games. I think they're the best uh, under 500 team, although you know they keep getting all these injuries. It's just kind of... 2019 wasn't meant to be their year in reality, I guess. Yeah, we always talk about, right, that there's like there's a handful of 12 and 4 teams, there's a handful of 4 and 12 teams, everyone else is 8 and 8, and you, the bounces go your way and you go 10 and 6, or they don't go your way and you go 6 and 10. The Lions are that yep. team that where the bounces just aren't going their way this season. I mean, a, a bounce here and a bounce there, and they're, forget about 3, 5, and 1, they're like 6 and 3. And we're talking about them being right there with the Packers and the Vikings in the NFC North race. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree. It's been a it's been a tough luck year for them, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, next three games for this team: Dallas this week, Washington in Week Twelve, and then Thanksgiving Week Thirteen. They play the Bears once again. That game being in Detroit. Uh, Funston, the next group I want to talk about. I've got them listed here as the old standbys. It's because we've talked about these guys a ton this season. We don't need to make the case again for Cole Beasley or Auden Tate or Deontay Johnson, or Chris Conley. But is there any one of these four guys that stands out to you, whether it stands out above the other three or sh- that we should be talking about in the Darius Slayton, Josh Reynolds group, any of those four guys, Cole Beasley, Auden Tate, Deontay Johnson, and Chris Conley? Uh, I, I I guess I would go Conley and Tate. Uh, Conley, you know, to me is interesting with, with Nick Foles back. Talked about him connecting early on with Conley before Foles went down for a touchdown. But you get, you know, you get the, Bucks in a, in a couple weeks or three weeks down the road, they're generous, you know, defense to wide receivers. The Titans aren't bad. And, and I'm really not like, like the Colts are kind of in the middle. Those are the next three games, Colts, Titans, and Bucks. I don't, I don't mind that schedule. Uh, I don't think it's anything that I would sweat. Uh, and I think Chris Conley as an athletic receiver, who's, you know, definitely had a lot of good weeks this year and has Nick Foles back. He'd be a guy that I'd be rostering and, you know, 
and maybe I would watch this week and see how things unfolded with him on my bench. But I think, you know, if things looked good, I'd be turning him loose uh, against the Titans and the Bucks uh, the weeks after that. Yeah, we're in agreement on this one. Chris Conley would be the guy who I would favor in this group, and I actually would uh, put him in that Slayton, Reynolds, Amendola. I think uh, the only reason we're not talking about him in that depth is because we have talked about him so much, and, and you don't need to hear us make the case again for Chris Conley. But the Nick Foles return, I think, is good news for him. Uh, Colts, Titans, you know, whatever sort of matchups. Bucks, a great one in Week 13, and we know how big Week 13 can be in the fantasy football world. So Chris Conley is a guy who I would be going after with at least some sort of aggressiveness on waiver wires this week. Auden Taylor would be my second and then Deontay Johnson Cole Beasley kind of meh you know if I need some wide receiver help I'll, I'll maybe throw a claim at them but I'm not gonna you know try to uh, step over anyone to get either one of those guys on my roster a few other wide receivers who uh, I'll just mention uh, their names quite literally and then we'll move on from this position that uh, if you're in a deeper league or if none of these guys is available to you and you are absolutely desperate for wide receiver help then maybe you could take a look at these guys Randall Cobb Hunter Renfro Kenny Stills Philip Dorsett, watch Debo Samuel tonight. Maybe he jumps up uh, if uh, if he gets a larger role in San Francisco. James Washington had himself a nice game for Pittsburgh, got in the end zone in their win over the Rams. Demarius Thomas also had a pretty big game for the Jets, and Russell Gage taking over the Mohamed Sanu role in Atlanta. Tight ends, Funston, our last position uh, to talk about before we get into the stream. O.J. Howard showing a pulse. If you don't show a pulse against Arizona, I guess you're probably never going to. He did just that, 47 yards on four catches and a touchdown in week 10. Next three games, New Orleans, Atlanta, Jacksonville. You going to buy into this at all? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm not ready to move him into uh, I'm going to start him week in and week out without question. I think he's still in that. You need to have a second tight end on your roster with OJ Howard because, you know, matchups. And like you said, that was Arizona and everybody, everybody gets it done against Arizona at the tight end position for the most part. And um, we kind of expected this. We talked about it. Like if there's a week, it would be this week. So I don't think we should be duped into thinking that, you know, this is something more than what it was, which was a great matchup, a great opportunity. And at this point, I think you just still have to manage him going forward. I'm with you. If, if this matchup did, or if this performance did anything for me, it's that it, it proved that, uh, you know, sort of what I said going into the, or I think it was on the ranking show, you, me, and Jake were talking about the possibility of uh, of Howard or Brait. And I said why Howard would be semi-interesting to me, at least if he were able to uh, return from injury that had held him out for a couple of games, is that we know when he's healthy where he stands in the tight end pecking order in Tampa Bay and that we can't necessarily say that for Cameron Brait. So the fact that he got seven targets in this game, that he did get a touchdown, proves to me that when he is healthy, he's still going to be a guy who they you know try to work in alongside Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, not necessarily true for Cameron Brait. But I agree, he's still at the very best, a low-end streamer, not someone who I want to trust week in, week out. And they've got the New Orleans Saints here this week. i got to believe that is going to be a team with a big bounce-back effort after getting shocked at home by the Atlanta Falcons in Week 10. Uh, a couple of guys who I think we can group together, Mike Gesicki and Janu Smith. Uh, again, I mean, are we talking about anything more than uh, streamers or guys who, uh, if you don't have one of those seven or eight tight ends that you uh, maybe trust as, you, you give them a little bit of run as a consistent starter. Uh, Kasiki was a little bit of a disappointment after his 95-yard game in Week 9, just 28 yards in Week 10. Johnny Smith had the two-touchdown game a couple of weeks ago, but hasn't come anywhere near uh, replicating that effort. Four catches for 30 yards in the Titans' win over the Chiefs, and that was a game where the Titans put up a whole 
lot of points. The Titans also have a bye here in week 11. Uh, what do we do with Kasiki and Smith? Are we talking about streamers and that's pretty much it? Yeah, I, I like Smith a little bit more than a streamer. Like if I had Delaney Walker, uh, you know, I've picked up John o. Smith and I'm just kind of plugging him in now. But now that, you know, now that Smith is going on by, I don't think it's he's someone you have to carry through the bye week. So maybe, you know, you're going out and you're picking up Gasicki or you're picking up somebody else. Somebody we'll talk about maybe in a little bit. But I think Gasicki's still in the stream world for me. And I'm looking at matchups and going, okay, I can imagine this being a decent uh, week for Gasicki to get some uh, get some volume. So, uh, yeah, he hasn't graduated into um, somebody I'm going to roster week in and week out. A tough matchup for Gesicki against Buffalo this week, but at least he has had six targets the last two games, and we know no Preston Williams in Miami means uh, Gesicki and Devontae Parker, uh, maybe the top two pass catchers for Ryan Fitzpatrick going forward. Uh, tonight, Monday Night Football, we said Josh or uh, George Kittle, excuse me, uh, doubtful, unlikely to play. What would Jacob Hollister have to do in this game for you to uh, get excited about him for the rest of the season? Uh, maybe score another touchdown and get like six plus targets, but then. Um you know, then he goes on by. So it's, it's no matter, it would be, it would be really hard for me to like, see him imagine him doing something so good against the 49ers that I'm willing to go out and get him and, and roster him through a bye week. So it might have to be another couple touchdown game. Like he had uh, his last time out. So that would, that, uh, you know, would take a lot. Dwelly, you know, he Ross Dwelly for the 49ers. If he plays for George Kittle, um, you know, you get Arizona next week. And if Kittle right. were to miss another week, then you're back to, you know, the Arizona defense. We talked about seeing being such a delightful matchup for tight ends. So that would be something that'd be interesting. But as you, as you say, we got to watch this Monday night game and, and, you know, go from there and see what transpires. You know, it's uh, this whole position. Like there, there are enough interesting guys to talk about, right? I mean, Howard, Gesicki, Janu, Dwelly Hollister, these guys are not, not interesting, but still they're just, really streamers they're not guys who you're going to feel great about really in any given week uh dallas goddard uh, gets the patriots in week 11 jack doyle scored last week he gets the jaguars in week 11 kyle rudolph had two touchdowns but just what like 13 or 14 yards uh, in uh, minnesota's win against dallas he gets denver in week 11 any of these guys stand out to you as better streamers than the other one or are you basically just betting on offense or touchdown or whatever you might be yeah, you know, I'm sort of that's that's a good question. I think these guys are all uh, you know, pretty comparable. It's weird. The Patriots, you know, um they kind of got they got beat up on defense last time out, but they've been great overall. But I Goddard's somebody that I just sort of always kind of gravitate towards. I love the guy's talent. Uh with Deshaun Jackson out of that lineup, he's you know, he's getting fairly regular snaps such a great red zone weapon. I would might just gamble on him, you know, with the Patriots always liking to take out the top guy. I mean, Zach Ertz is coming off a huge game and maybe they're really going to try to lock him down. And that opens up opportunities for Goddard. Yeah. I'm with you. I like Goddard. I, I put, if we're talking just week 11, I put Goddard in the, uh, like OJ Howard and Gesicki uh, group. I think he's a pretty high level streamer. Uh, if they do take away Ertz, the Patriots do try to take away Ertz. They're naturally, uh, is going to leave some more open for, for Dallas Goddard. And again, with uh, no Deshaun Jackson, this is going to be a pretty heavy 12 personnel team for the rest of the season. So I don't think uh, volume is going to be too much of an issue for Goddard as long as, you understand when we say not too much of an issue. We're not talking, you know, Mike Evans volume. We're talking, you know, tight end two should get five, six targets per game the rest of the season. And, you know, with with this sort of offense and his sort of athleticism, that might be enough for him to uh, to rate as a streamer every single week 
the rest of the season. As we say every week in this show, hopefully you're just uh, doing a little bit. But hopefully you've got uh, Darren Waller or uh, or Austin Hooper who's uh, who yeah. dealing with a little bit of an injury now or or uh, Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey. Hopefully you've uh, got one of those guys. Otherwise, it is a struggle every single week at this tight end spot. Uh, getting into the stream discussion already, let's talk about quarterbacks to stream Funston in week 11. We've got Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, and the great Ryan Tannehill going on by in week 11. If you need some help at this position, who do you take a look at? Well, I would throw out Derek Carr first, but he's he's 44 in Yahoo League, so he's right up against our threshold here, and he's probably gone in, in you know in a fair amount of competitive leagues. Uh, people that look ahead might have added him, you know, at Cincinnati upcoming, which is a fantastic matchup. We saw Lamar Jackson not only run the ball well, but he threw the ball very well against these Bengals, and you can do that. So if Derek Carr is out there, he would be my number one. If not, I you know Nick Foles is back and. I like Chris Conley. I like D.D. Westbrook. I like DG, DJ Shark. And I like the balance of the Jacksonville offense. They can run. Um, Nick Foles has shown the ability to throw the ball downfield. they got athletic weapons. So I like everything that surrounds him. They're facing Indy this week. That's kind of like, uh, to me, I look at that as sort of a middle-of-the-road matchup. And, um, you know, it's not the kind of matchup that's going to scare me away from starting a streaming quarterback, especially a guy like Nick Foles that has – a lot uh, has a pretty good hand dealt to him that he's returning to. So uh, Nick Foles for me. Yeah, Foles is one of those guys who maybe we'd be talking about if he weren't injured all season in that Derek Carr group, or maybe he'd be right on that threshold and you wouldn't even be able to add him. I agree with you. Carr is the number one guy if he's available. Uh, If he's not out there, I do like Foles. I actually like Sam Darnold a little bit better than Foles, however. Uh, A cushy matchup at Washington. Uh, And this is a team, this Jets team, right? I mean, they've started fast the last couple of weeks. Uh, Three straight games with an opening drive touchdown. Things have slowed down, but the fact that they're able to script so well for their opening drives of games tell me that there's something here, right? There's something that's working here. And it feels like they're just a click or two away from really breaking through. And a a matchup with a team like Washington uh, could be that click or two uh, that they need. Sam Darnold ran for a touchdown also uh, in the win over the Giants. So, uh, again, this team that I've said it a lot this season, uh, as as ugly of a year as it's been and as lost of a year as it's been for a team that had reason to have some playoff hopes coming into the year, uh, there's a lot of weapons on this offense between Brissett and uh, or Brissett between uh, Jamison Crowder. I got Jamison Jacoby uh, on the brain uh, between Jamison Crowder, <laughs> uh, Robbie Anderson, uh, Le'Veon Bell. If he's able to play, even if he's not, Bilal Powell's a decent guy to throw the ball to. Chris Herndon, R- Ryan Griffin. I mean, there are just some weapons on this team uh, that I think Sam Darnold can take advantage of a soft Washington defense on the road. So he would be my guy to go to if Derek Carr were owned. How about defenses, Funston? Our favorite defenses to stream in Week 11. I'm going to go with Oakland. You look at Oakland uh, last five weeks, they're averaging three sacks. You look at Cincinnati starting the the very green rookie, uh, Ryan Finley, and Cincinnati has allowed like the fifth most sacks in the league. So from that standpoint, it matches up well. You always like um, to start a, a defense that is at home uh, with a susceptible uh, quarterback, someone that you can maybe take advantage of. I think the case with Ryan Finley. Yeah, we saw a monster performance from the uh, Baltimore defense uh, in Cincinnati last week. I think Oakland is definitely a good team to go for. And uh, Funston last week on Best on the Board with Chris Beanie, I said uh, this Oakland team is going to the playoffs. I think they're I think they're going to do it. They're five and four. Uh, they're in prime position to make the playoffs. Like it's Cincinnati this week, the Jets next week. So I think they're going to be seven and four after that. I think we're going to see John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders 
as that number six seed, maybe even the number five with the uh, the softness of the AFC wildcard. We'll see. But uh, I do like the Raiders as a playoff team uh, the, going forward, and I love them. I love their defense against Cincinnati this week. Uh, I'll go to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, again, they go to Detroit. I'm assuming that it's going to be uh, no Matthew Stafford again. I'm assuming it's going to be Jeff Driscoll. And like you just said with uh, with Ryan Finley, you can take advantage of uh, of backup quarterbacks. And Jeff Driscoll you know, was fine. He didn't implode against Chicago, but you're not going to be afraid of Jeff, Jeff Driscoll one bit. So while uh, I'll roll the dice on the Dallas defense, I'll uh, I'll roll with them at Detroit. I agree with you though. Oakland would be my top choice. Uh, and again, we're looking at defenses that are uh, 40% owned or less. You know, sometimes we cheat. We get our let ourselves get up to 42, 43%. But we try to keep it at 40% or less. So those are the groups of defenses that we're looking at here. Maybe you can do a little bit better in your league. But uh, we agree, Oakland would be the number one. I think Dallas is another one that you can take a look at in week 11 if you need some help at the defense position. That is going to do it for us here on this edition of Wire to Wire. Thank you for listening again. If you're out there in the free universe, rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate it. Also, 40% off a subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire. Funts and I are tying this up. Uh, it's 11. I live in the central time zone. It's 11.30 a.m. on Monday. About 12 hours from now, you'll be able to get uh, Jake Seeley's waiver column. Please do pair that with this to get the waiver wire covered from every single angle. Thank you for listening to this edition of Wire to Wire. For Brandon Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Have a great week.